Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here, joined by Melissa Griffith. Melissa, how are you today? I am doing great. I, I've decided something recently. I am I'm living my authentic voice, so I'm nothing but authenticity today and honesty coming out of me. Wow, that's exciting. I'm, I'm, I feel privileged. As uh, opposed to, to be- last week. Well, well, there's always last week, but uh, but yeah, we have an interesting topic coming up this with this 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 episode here, this conversation here. There's some research that was dropped within the last week or so by Coursera, second year running. We talked about it last year. I think uh, Melissa, you brought it to our attention last year. Coursera is releasing what they're calling their Global yeah. Skills Index. They did it in 2019, the inaugural one, and now they liked it so much, and I think they appreciated our podcast so much, they decided to do it again in 2020. And obviously, anything in 2020 has to take into account how the world has changed. So there's a good deal of, of information about the response to COVID uh, and how that's impacted how people are using Coursera and how they think about their skill development, but uh, but it's an interesting thing. It's it's like the Mika report. It's like the Gartner uh, hype cycle. Like we like to look at these yearly trend reports to see how things change over time. What are your thoughts? Uh, just a uh, high level. What uh, what do you what are you thinking here? High level. So I, I we must have covered this last year too. I look. I think this is a good report, right? Coursera is holding in on something that we've talked about for a long time. I think most people in education realize, which is the intersection between colleges and universities, employers and companies, and and learners mm-hmm. is skills, right? And as education evolves, we're gonna go more from just talking about this is the degree I have in medical or in pre-med or this is the degree I have in computer science to more what are the tangible skills that you have Mm -hmm. because uh, the rate of what skills you need is evolving. One of the discussions we're talking about is especially in technology new skills the shelf life is about two years Mm -hmm. and so this is something that's going to become increasingly uh, more important so I don't necessarily think this report has gotten it completely right now, but it's a definitely good start. And being able to keep track of skills and not only skills, right now they are very much focused on three, three broad categories of data, technology, and business. Mm-hmm. But being able to really keep track of what skills are emerging and what areas are emerging over time, is going to be super important mm-hmm. because I think 10 years from now, if we're still doing this podcast, it's going to be very different what we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. uh, as the skills that are needed to in, in the future. Yeah. Yeah, and they and they do genuinely come at it with a global perspective, which I also yes. think is interesting. Because one thing that we may fall prey to a bit on this show is a, a hyper focus on the U.S. and North America, not necessarily understanding yep. the the macro trends. And what's interesting about platforms like Coursera is that they they provide real access opportunities to the best skill based content upskilling materials for folks really around the world. Although as we were talking, you know, coming into this, I think the way in which different parts of the world use platforms like Coursera will then influence the the kind of data that Coursera is capturing. You know, there in the US, at least historically, there's been more access to high quality higher education that you could then get on campus. And, you know, whether it's undergraduate or graduate level, 
and that would be where you would get a lot of your skill development and then you would use a platform like Coursera as a supplement depending on where you are globally that may not always be the case in some cases uh, a platform like Coursera will really be more of a primary platform to get access to to the, the this type of content so I, I think some of the trends you see in here are more reflective of how people are using Coursera not necessarily how people are thinking about skill development more broadly but you could imagine if LinkedIn Learning and you know, to you and a few other platforms contributed their data into some kind of meta-analysis, then you're really talking, you know? So, so I think this sort of scratches the surface of where we may wind up getting to in the next few years, but, uh, but there's really interesting data, I think, to, to dig into here. Yeah, and absolutely. And a couple of points to just add on to yours. One, I do think it would be super exciting, and so you guys heard it here first, um, Super excited if like LinkedIn and Coursera and other companies did get together and merge their data, not even LinkedIn learning, mm -hmm. but the, the coupling of like skills that the companies are searching for and skills that students are searching for and the marrying of that information is, is good for society. Mm -hmm. And like, they're, like what's good for society is ultimately good for Coursera and LinkedIn and all mm -hmm. and to you and all these other companies. So I think it's important that they start putting those things together. The second thing, there are a lot of graphs that they added this year that are really yeah. trying to show why skills are important. And mm -hmm. I think that is key, right? Because again, what we know for sure is this is going to become more important. Dr. Swanee, and we're, we're talking about this with him mm -hmm. a couple of years, right? Like to get, even the getting of an MBA mm -hmm. is no longer relevant. You're going to continue and learning. It's going to be important mm -hmm. as technology increases the exponential rate of change. Mm -hmm. uh, humans are going to have to change and evolve. And I think that is what Coursera is tapping into right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it, 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 you know, both your points I think are interesting on the first hand, you know, how do we establish standards for what these skills are and how you get certified for them? Like is a Coursera certification the same as passing a LinkedIn test or attending a, a, yeah. a university? Who knows? And then, and are you going to, are they going to be described in a consistent way? You know, how do you present a real balanced scorecard around those skills? I think is a really interesting question. I know when I've talked to folks, particularly yeah. in emerging fields like cybersecurity or data science, frequently you hear that it's a bit of a wild west in terms of even defining the skills. Skills that were, to your point, really relevant a year or two ago, suddenly become framed in a completely different way or become obsolete. So understanding how those standards are established and are measured and maintained is something definitely uh, to keep an eye on. And then the other point is staying hireable and job ready is no longer tied to the front end of your life. Meaning the years that matter most, you go away for four years, you get all the skills you need, everything else afterwards is on the job training. We're all beginning to question that framework. COVID may even be pushing us further in that direction, because uh, now, unlike in previous years, the predominance of our education is going to be delivered online through similar platforms and capabilities. So what used to be something that was maybe more of a big deal globally, people would go to a Coursera or go to a MOOC yeah. to get their education. Now, effectively, pretty much all education is some format of online, whether it's a MOOC or a SPOC. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about that is, you know, you can, you can measure globally what everyone is doing. And, and it's nice to see a little bit of the data coming here from Coursera. 
The other thing that's nice is they give us a tidy little executive summary. I like executive summaries because uh-huh. I, like, I like feeling like an executive. And when they say there's an executive summary when I'm reading it, I like to kick my feet up. You know, I like to maybe, you know, get a, a snifter of brandy going. You know, just, to, just I like to feel like a captain of industry. So, so what did you see in the executive summary here that, that jumped out at you? It's nice also because they, they bold their takeaway they, points, you know? They, they do. They, they, bold, they bold a lot of their takeaway points. You know, they, they, again, going back to what they're tying it to and, and one of the first points, right? They're seeing a correlation between the skills and people who are more technology forward and companies and industries that are more technology forward and people who are more resilient to the COVID crisis and yes. companies that are more resilient. To it. And, that, and that makes a ton of sense, right? Companies who are tied up with, with technology and, and that is their, their bread and butter will likely survive this better. Just like education companies with, that were already more online, like Coursera, yep. will likely do better in this economy. And they've been very honest about that too, right? I don't know if you saw this, they just got a massive amount of funding mm-hmm. and a, a valuation of $2.5 billion within mm-hmm. this COVID crisis, partly because in this crisis, their scale has grown exponentially, right? Yep, yep. As universities look for help to do this and students look for a way to train up in this time. Coursera yep. was very well suited to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and so I expect that you're going to see this more and more. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the, the, the points they brought out on their executive summary as well. Yeah, they also were saying that of the 200 million higher education students whose studies have been disrupted by COVID-19, 80% are located in countries with emerging or lagging skills. And this gets back to to the point you were making, and it's something we've been making frequently on the show, is that it is becoming a story of the haves and the have-nots. So uh, in the case of the impact of COVID, it is most profound to really the emerging or lagging skills part of the global index that they're looking at. So the the flip side is, is also true, where so the, you know, the students who are in countries that are less disrupted by COVID are, are, are more likely in the more advanced parts of the, the skill ecosystem. So I thought that was interesting to, to begin with. And then to your point, you know, I think the, the more highly skilled talent, uh, especially those who have technology skills and others, they see those companies that have more technically skilled workforces see higher stock stock returns, see less disruption due to COVID, they're more resilient. And and then the other point that they make is the idea of income inequality. So that in the most highly skilled workforce who are getting these highly specialized technical skills, data science skills, uh, business skills, they are seeing that those are the societies that have the, the biggest income inequality. So basically, the haves are those who are able to leverage their position in the, the quote-unquote developed world, focusing on the high-yield skills in technology and data science, etc. And they're really getting a significant advantage while those who are lagging behind, I think, are, are really faced with more profound challenges. You have thoughts on that? Because I know it's something like we've been talking a lot about the access problem really and more through the narrow lens, I think of like in the US, you know, when we talk about, you know, the, the way education has changed in response to COVID, it's most profound for those who don't have access to digital 
I think this reinforces that from a different lens. Yeah, I, I, I have a couple of thoughts. Uh, the thought that as you're talking uh, continues to strike a, a chord for me and also even in reading this document is I'm not always in love with their terminology and I, I hope mm -hmm. they evaluate it. Their categories are for their skills and how they rank people are cutting edge, competitive, emerging and lagging. Mm -hmm. I think those terminologies are charged and charged in, in a weird way. To your other point, which is what I think you wanted me to address, but I, I want to point that out too. Yes, what we are going to see, and it's a global phenomena, is if internet and technology is required for education, mm -hmm. countries, emerging countries, in the true sense of the world, emerging countries are going to struggle mm -hmm. uh, more with it because right now the technology, and this is something that I think we've got to crack, the technology right now is geared against even like, you studying from a computer mm -hmm. and having internet access, and that is not something... The access that people have to inf information in, in emerging countries right now, if at all, is via cell phones and cellular towers, and that has got to get stronger. So I'm not saying they're never going to emerge from that, mm -hmm. but that technology challenge is not being solved in Africa, right. is not being served in other regions of the world. And I think it's going to make it even more and more challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, for well, those countries to emerge. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, I also think it does remind me of the Mika report in that you could look at that two ways. You could look at it as yeah. a challenge and, you know, a way in which the inequities are there. That There's certainly a lot speaking to that in here. But also, if you think about the, the opportunity to unlock really that half of the market, you know, this is also where in the Mika report, it was, you know, we had just cleared 50% of, uh, you know, penetration across the world in terms of access to the internet. And, you know, that's still surprising to me, honestly. I mean, it's, it's awe-inspiring in a way that we've gotten half the world on board, but we still have 49% to go. And it's going to take more work to get that yes. access opened up in the same way. But it does seem like there is renewed focus on that and new attention to emerging markets, particularly Africa and Asia, because that is where the, the population growth is anticipated. That is also where there is the most room for development, same thing in Latin America, you know, like it's where in many ways, you know, the, the challenge that we have in the US, I think, is that we may be in decline from a more of an advanced position and then the, the investment capital may be moving elsewhere to try to both level the playing field, but then also tap into these untapped markets rather than trying to compete in the 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 red ocean that is u.s education but uh, but yeah i thought it was i thought it was interesting what else what else is jumping out at you yeah i, I wanted to add just a little bit to your mika point there uh one that it's the 80 20 rule and that's the danger we all use the 80 20 rule is that 20 percent is going to be really hard to get to mm -hmm. and and so like i my worry for even situations like this when uh, the education becomes much more reliant on technology, which huge proponent of it, is that the 20%, the 10%, the 5%, they're going to be left behind. Mm -hmm. And because the infrastructure that's going to be required to, mm -hmm. to make it accessible in, in, in parts of the world, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be ridiculous. It's just like uh, water is not easily accessible for everyone yet in the world. Like their right. basic needs aren't. This yeah. is going to also be hard because at some point, like it becomes cost prohibitive for companies to do it and governments have to step in and not all governments uh, think like that. 
Yeah, uh, and ph- and philanthropy, right? So, like, there yeah. is there has been a lot of progress that uh, we've talked about on the show in the past. There's a great book by Hans Rosling called yeah. Factfulness. Bill Gates recommends it, where like it, it basically talks about how many of the things that were true about the the developing world, the quote unquote developing world, are are no longer true, uh, and some some diseases, despite COVID, you know, have actually been solved yeah. to a large extent like the the impact of malaria is much less than it used to be cholera is also you know being reined in as we get better at treating like water purification systems and there has been an increased focus within philanthropy and then also through yeah. funding of research that targets these you know high return on investment in terms of opening up access and resolving some of these gaps but you're right. I mean, it isn't a pure let the market just play out because I think it takes folks playing with their head up to say, yeah. you know, access to digital is a public health problem, particularly in light of COVID now, where like a lot of the solution design for the pandemic is going to involve tracking of your data and your health records. And I think increasingly that is going to be something that is on the the have side of the digital divide. And that's really going to be interesting to watch. You know, how do those inequities emerge? And then how quickly can we collectively respond and how? I think it'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting uh, space to evaluate. Yeah, my closing thought on this is I think it's a good report. I think it's still too much of a report. And I'm looking for more of, and I'm excited, I think they're going to go there, is of the Mika style report, which is not just about here's the data, which is a lot of what they're talking about. But here yep. is, and not even just the the why, but the so what mm-hmm. is what I think this report is still missing. And I think that, like, as we get to that conclusion, I think this is going to become a lot more useful because I do think tracking this information in a long way is going to lead us to these are the emerging trends in education. Um, yeah. This is where the, the skill gap is going. And, and that's where the skill gap is and what we need to solve. Yeah, for sure. And uh, there are fun uh, highlights to, to talk about in yes. here as well. So, uh, so any of them jumping out at you? There's, they're, nice, they're nice for like assuming we could attend a cocktail party. There are nice things that you could say, like, for example, demand for personal development skills like confidence, stress management, and mindfulness has grown by 1,200% among individual learners. And that's a trend that we have talked about. It's nice to see a little harder data, even though there's some sampling challenges. This is only Coursera's population, that they're only representative of people that Coursera has has captured in some capacity, but but it, that's an incredible amount of increase, 1,200%. And I think in a lot of ways that is building on a trend that was happening even prior to COVID around a renewed focus on mindfulness and mental health, behavioral health, personal development. But I think it's been significantly accelerated by by the the profound psychological trauma that pretty much everyone is going through to some extent. And then folks really most directly impacted either by virtue of their own health being impacted, their family, their job, you know, then there's the civil unrest that has become a global phenomenon. All of that is causing so much noise and trauma. It's building on uh, some of the psychological danger zone uh, activity that we've seen around social media that's been, and, and smartphones that's been emerging over the last 10 years anyway. 
And this is in part a response that you're seeing on the learner side to say, I'm seeking out this type of content. I think that's informative to anyone who's developing yeah. content these days too. There's a real hunger for the social emotional content, the behavioral health stuff. And even if you're doing uh, a curriculum or you're developing skills that are more concrete and targeted, maybe more technical, there is a related trend that isn't necessarily on the same dimension that is saying learners really want to treat their whole selves and they want to uh, really seek out mental and emotional well-being. Yeah, it's, it's a valid trend. The other one that is striking to me or the other thing that's, and that's, that stands out to me is where the United States falls on a lot of the, the rankings, right? Mm -hmm. And they touched about, uh, about this a little bit in the, their North America section, but not a lot. The immigration policies that we have in place mm -hmm. right now are, are stifling uh, innovation and, and skill development. And also, we still lag behind in industries in actually using technology. We're afraid to automate a lot of the, the work we have, right? And so a lot of the jobs and tasks that we have aren't automated and aren't using technology as much mm -hmm. or AI mm -hmm. as other countries. And I think that is very telling and ultimately going to be our downfall. And right. I do, I have to imagine that that also uh, has a lot to do with the policies that we set mm -hmm. at the local government and, and federal government levels. Yep. Yeah. So. Agreed. So we, and we talked about cor direct correlation between direct positive correlation between stock performance and yeah. skill proficiency. The countries with more equal access to the internet are also those with higher skill proficiencies. So the haves yeah. are developing the, the skills. Uh, we talked about the, the inverse relationship to income inequality and skill proficiency so that the parts of the world that are developing the most coveted skills and have the most access to the internet are performing well for those who can perform those skills but it's still uh, a relatively small segment and it's causing that that income uh, inequality gdp per capita growth uh, is tied to skill uh, proficiency as is labor force participation. So a pretty strong uh, argument across the board for an increased focus on skill development, skill proficiencies, and then the skill taxonomy that they outline also sort of highlights a certain profile, which is really skewed towards business technology and data science. So any thoughts in terms of that second aspect, in terms of the skills themselves? Is this surprising? Yeah, they, they, so they rank higher level trends like business, data science, and technology as the three things to talk about. But mm -hmm. under those four buckets, health is the next thing people are most studying right. right now. And that's given the COVID crisis. That's the one, you've heard me talk about it before, I will continue to push it. Health, education, healthcare, and education in that place is the next about an area and how we get better at it so because right, right. everyone it's a hero complex everyone's going to want to solve this problem right and it is a, it's a problem that requires solving and so i i need them i would need more of that in this report as well mm -hmm. yeah it makes sense and then the list of the the skills that they provided a little more detail on in terms of education trends 
I'll just run through them quickly because uh, there are some buzzwords and I think many of them, if we haven't talked about uh, previously on the show, we should probably skew more in this direction because I think they do paint an interesting picture of the new economy skills. So they're blockchain, cloud yep. computing, cybersecurity, data storytelling, which uh, I actually liked that turn of phrase because it is an interesting aspect to data science. It's more of a narrative aspect uh, to data science, which I think is really interesting. Deep learning, digital marketing, natural language processing, project management, Python, SQL, TensorFlow, user experience design, and web development. So I think if you look at those those roles and those education trends together, they do paint a picture of a very practical skill set that can be immediately applied to tangible work. You know, so there's not as much here about critical thinking skills or about the ability to work creatively or collaboratively with others, which are other trends that we have tracked more broadly, but I think when you think about using a platform like Coursera, which is, is a little bit more transactional, where it's like the way people talk about using YouTube, where I go to YouTube to get a video that tells me exactly how to do something. This is a, a level up from that, but not too far, where you know a direct path towards greater earning potential for me or towards greater impact to my organization or greater options in terms of where I may get a job that's going to be tied to many of these more new and emerging digital skills and less about sort of the core, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, liberal arts, et cetera. Like those skills I think are, are certainly not getting the, getting the love uh, from Coursera's users. But this is my challenge, right? It's the chicken or the egg syndrome. Mm-hmm. One, it, it's such a buzz right now to uh, like these skills that are there. These are the things that are in, in, in the world. And so there's like, there's probably some reality that these are the things that people like companies are looking for. But what this is not doing, it, it's, it is a lagging indicator. It mm-hmm. is not yep. spotting the trend. Mm-hmm. And I think the more important thing to do and be able to do is spot the trend. And I, I do think, LinkedIn is sitting on the data is going to be much more relevant in, mm-hmm. in, in that respect, mm-hmm. right? And so getting some access to what are companies searching for or Coursera, even talking to more companies and getting their perspective on it, I think it, it is missing because it doesn't surprise me. If you go to Coursera, they also push a lot of their data and technology yeah. courses. Right. So yeah, and I Or think Microsoft that's... Excel, which by the way, is still one of the number one skills that people are looking for, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think what, what would be really interesting to me would be to break this down to different segments of the market that they're talking about. Because like they're basically, ta- they're painting everything as one massive audience. And I think the reality is we have different pockets, different modes within this broader yeah. distribution where right now there are folks who need to get across the digital divide. There's this concept of digital readiness and you know, if you were in the service economy and now you need to reskill to understand how you're going to have some resilience and be able to get on yeah. board the digital train, maybe that's someone who might need to learn Excel or might need to learn some of the basics and a platform like Coursera will provide that to you. I don't think that's really the focus of this report. This report is more basic competencies are already accounted for or, or just are part of the noise in the data. 
and then the folks who are really leveraging a platform like Coursera to the fullest are those who are seeking real hard technical relevant skills that will make them immediately more employable. And I also think this, yeah. because Coursera, to your point, is not just uh, individuals, it's also organizations are subscribing to Coursera for their workforce. Even some, some forward-thinking universities are opening up access for, for their students. So I, I do think this is a good perspective on the haves and folks who are trying to get to that really resilient, higher end, you know, honestly, on the right side of income inequality, if there is such a thing, that's what this is for. What it's not really talking about is how do you uh, get folks who aren't ready to enter that conversation, you know, A, the digital access that they need, including the mental readiness to like yeah. get their learning out of digital, and then B, the, the right path for them, which may not, you know, if you don't, know how to use Excel, you may not want to jump right into the blockchain or cloud computing. So it'd be interesting to understand more of like a, a hierarchy, hierarchy of skills where you yeah. can figure out what does everyone need as sort of a base level of competency in this, this sort of new world that we're emerging into. And then on top of that base set of competencies, what are your options around specialization? And then what are the paths to, you know, skill certification and sort of uh, coherent collections of skills, because it still feels a little, uh, a little more atomic perhaps in terms of, you know, I'm just going to get the, the skill that I need without necessarily understanding how multiple skills need to cohere together for an applicant to actually be able to advance in her career. Yeah, and I, I don't think any of the modern digital education companies are doing that right now particularly right. well. People like to talk about credentialing and, and stuff like that. I don't even think it's that. I think it's if I want to know about blockchain, for example, to use your example, like what do I study first? I remember when I was trying to figure out what blockchain was, like just reading what blockchain is, it does mm -hmm. not. Okay, got it. <laughs> and like yeah. you, you almost have to have a base understanding of other skills yeah. before you can you can grasp that and it's actually bringing people there the thing that I, like just one la last point i'll make the thing that they do have in this document that we should call out we didn't talk a lot about it but it is there and is helpful is for people who are thinking of what industries to go into and what industries what are the skills that these industries are searching for mm -hmm, mm -hmm. again and again i they they do i'll point out one health in the healthcare industry, technology, and I, it's not surprising that's there, but I was like, that is a huge opportunity. Technology, their use of technology and data science is ranked like nine and seven, mm -hmm. respectively. And mm -hmm. think about how much value technology and da data can bring to help the healthcare industry, yeah. if used correctly. And the reason is, is because there's there are so many laws around, and rightfully so. I do not want my data, my medical data, exposed, but like the value of like using bringing data into that this space would is there's an opportunity there and that's what like as you start digging through these things uh you can start to see where companies need to go yeah for sure lots to lots to dig into yeah. maybe with your uh, snifter of brandy uh while while perusing the executive summary yeah. uh, you could identify the right career path for yourself or the right opportunity to to develop some learning 
materials or help folks uh, navigate some of this complexity. The last thought I had too is like, it's very much a maker's world. And that yes. is something that comes through very clearly here. The, the skills that are outlined are almost all tied to shipping usable products, actual deliverables, not, not you know, sort of abstract yeah. concepts or mindsets or competencies. It's more, can you use these skills to create work products? And I think that's a trend that we've seen for quite some time. And increasingly, those work pro products are going to be informed by digital, informed by data, informed by AI. So it does seem like there's a new uh, emerging canon of digital skills that, that all of us are going to need to learn to navigate. And in addition to your, your request for a broader, broader mapping of skills, I think there's also a related quest of, uh, request for understanding how these skills interrelate and how some are foundational for the development of others. Because I think that's the, the piece that's also missing for me. You know, what do you need yeah. to get real value out of data storytelling? Like, what are the, what are the prerequisites for their top yeah. emerging skills? What do you need to even, you know, be able to engage about the blockchain? You know, there's blockchain for managers and then there's blockchain for developers and for people who are actually making these things. Really interesting stuff, though, I think, on the skill development side. And, you know, we're, we definitely would love to hear from our listeners. We'll keep our eyes open, too. Like, where else should we look? You know, if, if, if LinkedIn Learning is releasing stuff, we'd love to see that. But, but any final thoughts, Melissa, as, as we're wrapping up here? I'm looking forward to seeing where this report goes in, in the future, because it's very easy to pick on something that's just two years into its infancy. I think this is, this is important. It's going to be very necessary. So I'm excited to see how they evolve it over the time. And I will continue to put a plug out there that uh, should someone from Coursera want to come on and talk about it, it would be an interesting conversation because I'm sure they have the insight mm -hmm. uh, behind what we're, what, what we're looking for behind the data. Yeah, so plenty more to chew on here. Uh, Coursera also has webinars out there where they're breaking yeah. this data down. It is the year of the webinar, so... So get in there and, and do what you can. And hopefully, you know, you were able to keep up with us. If you have any insights or thoughts about what you're reading, what you're learning, hit us up on at Trending in Ed on Twitter or uh, Trending in Education on LinkedIn. Also, if you like what you're listening to, share it with a friend, write a review, follow us on our social properties. We definitely appreciate it. And we'll be back again soon on Trending in Education.